The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent, including Olas Media. Olas Media. Attacking the podcast world. And based on the true legendary cult classic, Olas Media presents... Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Did somebody mention biscuits? Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. They'll beat you, bash you, squish you, bash you, chew you up or run. How bad is it? Also, I definitely don't feel why again. I'm not talking about that, you wiener. What about the tomatoes? Hey there, Wranglers of the Red and Buffs of the Box Office. You've landed on the Killer Tomatoes Podcast. Today's guest, Chad Peace. Here's your host, the patriarch of those playful, plundering palm d'amour that have been delightfully disorderly since the days of disco fever. Costa Dillon. Welcome to the Killer Tomatoes Podcast. I'm Costa Dillon, and today we're going to be talking with Chad Peace who has a long history with the Killer Tomatoes that we'll talk about as part of our interview. So welcome, Chad. Thanks for having me. So, Chad, kind of briefly describe how you intersect with Killer Tomatoes. Well, I was negative five when the first Killer Tomatoes came out. Now that needs explaining. Um, So it came out in 78. I was born in 83. Uh, my father, along with you, I think, had a hand in some of the movies. Then I was brought on because uh, there was an actor, George Clooney, that uh, some people have heard of, was in Return of the Killer Tomatoes, and they needed a co-star. So they asked me, to, when I was five years old, if I could also be in the movie with George Clooney. Uh, for uh, those of you who are really Killer Tomato nuts, I was good and about a three-second scene showing uh, some kids wearing shirts that said good, better, and best. Um, so uh, that was my early introduction to Killer Tomatoes as I, I grew up, um, you know, being a part of the Killer Tomatoes family. Of, uh, you know, I was interviewed once for a Food Network show uh, pilot episode, which uh, probably wasn't a very good interview because I don't think the show ever uh, actually went on the air. Uh, redone the the website a couple times in anticipation of various things. We just recently did, uh, redid the website. Um, we're recording this podcast right now. We're doing a lot of the digital media uh, work and rebranding, and uh, we also have a little special surprise coming soon as a original video uh, for Killer Tomatoes, uh, knowing that not a lot of original vi- videos for Killer Tomatoes have been made in quite a while. So. Uh, I'll keep the details a secret unless Costa probes really deeply. <laughs> uh, if I'm in it, I want to know. Um, so the uh, the uh, joke, a good, better, best, I wrote that joke. Um, to yeah, me. thanks a lot. Yeah, well, the Make, idea was... He made me good. <laughs> yeah, well, it was... The idea was uh, if any movie fans uh, who had watched credits in those days and saw credit for a best boy and wondered, what the heck is a best boy? Uh, we, we ran that as a quick gagged that anybody would pick up on it. To this date, I'm not sure if anybody's ever picked up on what that joke was supposed to be. And uh, people still don't know what a best boy is, which uh, for those of you who are not in film, it's uh, the lead electrician. But uh, the the joke was a quick flash, but it was your chance on the set. And as you said, with George Clooney, I assume you were double dating at the time or something, you know? Yeah. (laughs) 
Pretty much. Uh, that's, that's what I thought. You know, we, we were both at the beginning of our budding careers. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, and you went, but you went in, in drastically different directions. Uh, so, the um, so he grew up with tomatoes, and the, and the fame that 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 uh, shop brought, I'm sure. Uh, do you still have the T-shirt? It's probably somewhere in the closet, <laughs> and uh, no doubt doesn't fit. Yeah, I can remember you weren't the only kids on that set because uh, one day John Aston brought. Uh, Sean and Mackenzie, uh, and um, Sean and Mackenzie somehow had squirt guns with them, and that proceeded to be a raucous day on the set as they um, proceeded to run around um, squirting everybody with the squirt guns and so forth, um, long before either one of them were uh, bona fide actors, before uh, Goonies, in fact. So uh, we we did have experience with some kids on the set. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> so, uh, so now you uh, are involved in helping put this podcast together. Uh, explain how that works. Well, my 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 income producing job is doing uh, communications in the digital space, and uh, you know, one of the things when we talk about, hey, how are we going to revitalize the Killer Tomatoes brand? Was um, you know how. How do we do things in today's uh, modern age? So one of the things we did, we just refreshed the website a little bit. If you can check out at KillerTomatoes.com, that's KillerTomatoes.com. Um, another thing we do, we do for a number of our clients is produce podcasts. And so one of the things we said is, hey, you know, we need to get the voice out there. There's a lot of folks that are passionate about Killer Tomatoes and um, are, I guess, have nothing better to do than, you know, 20-something years later to still be listening to Killer Tomatoes. Well, more than 20, 20 since the last release. Um, and so let's talk about the, some of the things behind the scenes. There's a lot of folks like George Clooney and John Ashton that, you know, they were in Killer Tomatoes. And there's a lot of people that I, I've, I see um, – I'll go out to dinner sometimes here in San Diego and somehow the, the conversation comes up. Hey, uh, I heard your, your, your father and your family's involved in Killer Tomatoes. My aunt was in Killer Tomatoes. My uncle did this. Right? And so um, telling some of those stories and then also, you know, a lot of people don't know a, a lot of the history that Killer Tomatoes really was one of the first movies with that, with that airplane kind of humor. Um, and, you know, so – I mean, I, I just saw something in, in, Chainsaw, in the Chainsaw Man. For those of you who are familiar, of um, where they did a rip on a on a on this the conference scene in Killer Tomatoes. I mean, it is uh, pretty pervasive throughout that industry. I don't claim to be a, an expert on on film and movies and stuff, but uh, every time it comes up uh, somehow, some way, somebody has something to say about either somebody that's been involved with it or another movie that that referenced it or and so uh, I think it's time to kind of bring that back in anticipation of you know doing a few more things with the title it it it, it is a title that seems to live all, all by itself it's we've often called it the uh, best known least seen film in America because people know the title but then say I've never seen the movie in fact I I I contacted the head of the tomato research uh, program at UC Davis, um, asked if he wanted to be on the podcast, and he declined. He said uh, he didn't think anybody 
on a, listening to us would be interested in tomato research. And then he said, and I've never seen the movie. And I thought, what? I can't believe it's not mandatory viewing. How can you be the head of tomato research and never see the movie? Pa- the package is more important than the prize. <laughs> yeah, we all know that's that. it. <laughs> well, at least he'd heard of the movie. Uh, so, um, the um, you know, that, that also reminds me of another thing now that you mentioned it because Chad, in addition to being a media mogul, is also a lawyer. And a lot of people don't realize really that Killer, bad one. <laughs> I shall count on in that. That Killer Tomatoes is a trademark um, because uh, I see people, you know, use the term Killer Tomatoes in all kinds of facets and even on products, and uh, and they don't realize that we actually have trademarked the name Killer Tomatoes. What's it like trying to protect that trademark? Well, the testament that you've seen so many things using the killer tomato trademark is testament to how bad of an attorney I am. <laughs> um, right. But, you know, it, it is, you know, uh, uh, you know you, if you Google killer tomatoes, you'll find all kinds of stuff. Uh, one of the things that's interesting about this title is, especially in this day and age, you know, most titles are owned by a big production company or somebody in Hollywood. Our, uh, our family, along with Costa, have um, diligently maintained our, uh, our our trademark over the years, including the rights to produce new movies and and do those kinds of things. Now, um, you know, some can argue that record that that, that uh, has resulted in some stalemate over the years. Some could argue it's 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 resulted in perfect timing. Indeed, the um, uh, the. Uh fact that there isn't a lot of Killer Tomato um, rip-off movies being made, um, is, uh, but the name Killer Tomato in it uh, is testament to the fact that either it is, um, we are successful protecting the trademark, or other people are um, wiser than us and aren't going to make a movie with the name Killer Tomatoes in it, So, because uh, they want to make movies that make money, and that's never been our uh, accomplished goal. <laughs> <laughs> We so, um, <laughs> so the um, how did this podcast even come about? I mean, you're, you're the guy talking to me. You're you're hosting it. Yeah. So, I mean, we oh, we were we were talking about you know how to how to restart the brand and how to get some of that stuff out there. And uh, you know, I think we're sitting in a room with you and my father and everything, and and somehow you agreed to do it. Uh, I think everybody universally agrees that uh, you're the only funny guy. Um, it's the only reason the movie's funny. Um, and uh, after your budding career, um, you know, had some uh, additional time on your hands. And so we convinced you to do it. Uh, so, um, you know, with our, with, our, with our producer here, J.C. Polk, and uh, who, who produces a host of other podcasts, we, you know, this, this would be a really good opportunity, though, to talk about the brand again, do some things that, that, you know, aren't in the behind the scenes clips, um, you know, and, and cover things like, like the book. Um, for those of you who don't know, Jeff Strand, uh, who's a pretty, uh, well-known author in his own right, uh, for some reason agreed to do a remake of the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes in its book form. Um, and to everybody's surprise, it, it was funny. Um, so, you know, covering things like that, um, you know, there's, there's killer tomatoes festivals every year. And as I kind of alluded to, uh, there seems to be some progress on the uh, new production front. So what better way to, you know, start talking, uh, getting some information to the fans, um, 
bring the bring the brand into the modern era and uh, hopefully not mess it up. Yeah, we will be talking to Jeff Strand in a future podcast because his novelization is very funny. Uh, he he took the script and made it into a book. Uh, he's done that with other um, products, and we're talking with him now about possibility of doing one of the other movies. Uh, I meet a lot of people who, uh, when you mention Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, they, they say, yeah, I haven't seen that movie or I've seen that movie. And I will say, what about the other three? And there are three more? <laughs> uh, people don't realize there are four Killer Tomato movies. And uh, we're, like, we're like the Star Trek movies. The even-numbered movies are the best ones. Two and four are better than one and three. I always, I always <laughs> loved Killer Tomatoes Eat Friends. Yes, me too. Um, I don't think anybody likes Strikes Back, though. Uh, I agree. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> and, you know, the way Killer Tomatoes Eat France came about is when we um, finished filming Return of the Killer Tomatoes, I wanted to make a joke at the end because all the James Bond films would always say James Bond will return in. So I wrote, you know, um, the Killer Tomatoes will return in Killer Tomatoes go to France. And mostly because at the time I'd never been to France. I said, what the heck? We'll go to France. <laughs> it was it was mostly a joke. And we ended up going to France. France <laughs> and, and Horton Plaza. Yeah, and France and Horton Plaza and France and France. We we uh, got to film around the Arc de Triomphe and uh, in the Seine um, and so forth. Uh, the um, title eventually got changed to Killer Tomatoes Eat France. I don't know who changed the title, actually, I think. Possibly Fox did, but uh, it worked. I, I, I should have I, I, I should have written the title, The Killer Tomatoes Will Return in Three Weeks in Tahiti, but I didn't uh, have the foresight to do that. You can still do it. There's still time. <laughs> so what, what's the permitting process like in France anyway? Well, you hire French people to do it for you. <laughs> it's basically, uh, it's, uh, uh, we, we sat for, I think, uh, three or four hours in the De Gaulle airport getting clearance to get the... Uh, movie equipment in because, you know, you're doing business in another country. You have to have business permits for the country. But we had... But you actually got them? French doing. Yep. Had the French, well, the French people got them. Um, I'm assuming, I mean, we didn't uh, meet any gendarmes while we were filming, so I assume we were, we were legal. But based on what we've done in the U.S. for filming, where we may or may not have had uh, appropriate uh, permits at various times, uh, I don't know. <laughs> 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 so, Chad, you know, being that you were an actor in, in the second film uh, and you're intimately connected with the films and you've seen them all, what, what's your, what scenes stick out for you? What's your favorite part of the Killer Tomato story? Still my favorite, my favorite scene of the movies is, and, and I, don't, I should remember every detail, but it's uh, when John DiBello is actually playing the, uh, the uh, uh, newscaster, and he interviews the lady who had just lost her husband. He said, "What are you gonna do? You're no spring chicken. <laughs> you know how are you gonna find another husband? You're no spring chicken." And uh, I don't know for some reason that scene. I just always, I always thought it was funny. Um, you know, I also. For some reason, the, the cherry tomato line just is, is funny. Oh my God, it's a a cherry tomato. Um, don't know why that one always just sticks out, but the, the, those are the funniest scenes. The ones that always come up that you got to laugh at are, are the you know the conference room scene when they're when they're stuck to the walls. Uh, it's pretty uh, iconic. That one comes up a lot of times when people say they they actually did watch the they got past the title and watched the movie. Um, we talked about a lot, and then of course uh, 
anybody who's a really killer tomato aficionado knows the uh, the history behind the helicopter scene that wasn't supposed to happen. So when you know that, that becomes a pretty uh, that becomes a pretty good scene right away. I actually am pretty impressed that not only did the cameras keep rolling, but you got some some funny lines uh, while the helicopter smoking in the background. So we did. Well, that yeah, John's interview of uh, the actress is uh, G.J. Sullivan. Uh, she's uh, passed away a few years ago. Well known in San Diego acting. When they the piece of trivia is that D.J. and I are the only people who are in all four of the films. So she has a role in all four of the films. As, well, that's as only because you were alive for all four. Yeah. Of them. Well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure your me. dad was alive for all four of the films. <laughs> so yeah, that's you know, what's it like growing up watching your dad in in a movie like that? I mean, did how did that affect you as a you kid? You know, it was a lot better than growing <laughs> up and my dad being a politician. So less embarrassing. Way less embarrassing. <laughs> um, being a bad actor is um, is much more uh, something to be proud of than. Uh, a good politician, actually. So, um, you know, I was actually always always proud of my my dad's career as a politician. I think for those of you know him, know he's a little different than your average politician. Maybe uh, you know, not exactly uh, politically correct all the time, as you can probably see in the Killer Tomatoes movies. Um, but uh, I, 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 you know, it was great. I, I was very blessed uh, growing up. I still am. Um, having good family and father, being being able to be involved in the title. Costa, you letting me, you know, help you produce the podcast and the website. So, you know, that's a that's a pretty cool thing that uh you know a lot of people don't get exposure to. Um, but I I always love it when uh you know you can be out somewhere. I mean, I've been in Vienna before talking to to other folks who are uh, in an international arbitration program, and Killer Tomatoes comes up, and you got. You got people from Estonia and Spain going, "Oh my gosh, your your dad was in, it was Wilbur Finletter in Killer Tomatoes," and I, that's pretty cool. So I can't complain, you know, for for any negative that comes out of it. There's a hundred positives, and uh, so I'm, I feel very blessed about it. And uh, I'm hoping that we can do something to con- continue on the Killer Tomato legacy. Yeah, it's just like being Tom Hanks' son. I'm I'm sure it's a lot of parallels there yeah well people usually call me tom <laughs> the, the the tom hanks of the modern era ah okay well i worked on your dad's first uh, campaign which was for um school president when we were in high school so i feel somewhat responsible for having him having become uh an actually elected politician and i apologize to many people for that over the years um as you should <laughs> well you said earlier that i i I was the funny one, not your dad, but I expect many people in the California State Assembly would beg to differ. So, <laughs> well, I mean, it actually there was a time when the worlds came together. I mean, uh, you have to appreciate the uh, you know, as somebody who comes from a digital marketing, uh, I make a living doing digital marketing. Uh, the value of uh, how do you, how you call it a uh, guerrilla marketing uh, back then. Uh, I'm not sure you could do it anymore, but some of you might remember uh, the newspaper articles about tomatoes showing up on the on the Sacramento Capitol uh, building, and uh, so yep. hearing those stories about the guerrilla marketing and stuff, and you know, gets your mind thinking. You know, what what can you do today? The problem with today is, you know, anything you try to do <laughs> might, might might get thrown in your face, uh, back in your face. Which is my question. I know I'm the guest, but I have a question for you. 
All right. Go ahead. If as you're doing this podcast and writing things that perhaps could become a new new video or movie, is how do you deal with the the ability to be politically incorrect like you were? I, I don't think some some of the original scenes would fly today. Well, no, a lot of people say you couldn't make movies like uh, Blazing Saddles uh, now or even All in the Family. That's that's true. People seem to have um, lost the ability to to laugh at their own absurdities. And I, I, I think it, some of it, yes, it probably maybe we shouldn't have done it in the first place. But on the other hand, the rest of it is, well, I, I lo- always like Steve Martin's line that, you know, comedy is not pretty. And you take a chance. And I, I always... I feel like comedy finds its audience. Um, drama is kind of universal. What makes somebody cry usually makes somebody else cry and so forth. But comedy either. Um, you don't get it. <laughs> you think it's stupid or you love it. And um, people tend to pick comedies based on a known factor because of that. They don't take a chance. I like, you know, um, Mel Brooks comedies, so to speak, or I like somebody likes Adam Sandler comedies because they, they go to them, but somebody likes them and they pick them for the known quantity. And uh, I think um, in some ways, uh, Killer Tomatoes is the same way. People get it or they don't get it. And the people who get it, great. And when I first read my, our first reviews after the first film, and you, you realize, gee, everybody doesn't like my movie. Yeah. <laughs> and and mom, do you like my movie? I thought and you were then, say you were going to say you're surprised that somebody did like it. Well, no, I thought you know we were 23 years old. Who does? Who's not going to like our movie? And uh, and then you start getting a little bit of a thick skin because you realize, yeah, everybody's not going to like it, but somebody's going to like it. And uh, then you you be happy with the people who are happy with it, but we're talking about something that's um, oive, um more than thirty years old now, and uh, how would you know? At some point, um, Steve and I aren't going to be here. <laughs> um, um, like it or not, that's the way the world works. Where where would you see Killer Tomatoes going in the future? What what is the future for Killer Tomatoes? You know, that's a good question. I, I don't think the, the future is necessarily can be defined right right now. I mean, when you look in the digital space, you're going through this crazy uh, uh, hyper uh, development uh, with the introduction of AI. Um, there's all kinds of things are changing and society changes and stuff. And I think the, the lasting, you know, what could Killer Tomatoes be, I think is, you know, at the end of the day, I see Killer Tomatoes kind of as a a way to make a social slash political commentary um, without without being political, without being you know taking sides or something. Just like let's let's take an opportunity to to laugh at our at our own uh, inabilities to get things done right and to focus on what's important uh, and not take ourselves so seriously. So I think the opportunity for killer tomatoes whether it's in a, the form of a new movie or it's in short clips or even in, in the future of this podcast is is leverage that that's an opportunity to, to laugh a little bit not take ourselves so seriously and understand that you you know to your point some people may laugh at something some people may get offended is hopefully it can be something where you can say things and Laugh about it, even if you should, if you're the one that should be offended, right? Is that the point is like, stop 
getting overly <laughs> aggressive about things. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of things are messed up. A lot of things are, are wrong. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're we're all humans. And if we can't laugh at ourselves, then that's a pretty boring world to live in. Yeah, there there is a difference between poking fun at something and being offensive for the the sake of being offensive. And right. we don't we don't do that. You know, you notice uh, Killer Tomato movies aren't full of uh, scatological jokes or um uh heavy um you know, um, uh, offensive religious jokes and all that sort of thing because we're not trying to insult people. We're trying to have fun. Right. And and um, all comedy almost is is based on the misfortune of somebody else. That's what makes things funny from the from the beginning of slapstick. That's uh, what makes things funny. Somebody else is misfortune is funny, and so you can't do comedy unless there's somebody on the receiving end, and you just have to kind of find the right way to do that. Right, and and the hard part is is finding the line, right? And I think the reference you make back to the original film is like the lines in a different space back then question is, you know, will the line move back, uh, you know, into a different place in the future? We don't know. But um, can, you know, folks who are involved in Killer Tomatoes uh, do a good job of, of making sure that that line's in an appropriate place? Because as you said, at a point, it's not funny anymore when you when you when you cross the line or you're making a joke just for the sake of, of demeaning or something. And um, if it's you know, it's a joke being made with malintent, it's probably not going to be, be, be funny. So, um, but that's also a, a hard thing to do is to find out where, because when you make a joke like that and it's made for a mass uh, audiences, these types of jokes, right? There's a lot of people that you have to know where, you know, where their perspective is coming from. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, Today, right now, you know, with the divisiveness of many perspectives and the fact that Killer Tomatoes, you know, does have a, a political setting, um, it's really hard for people who may interpret something that you had no intent of making fun of or even being there. They may just interpret because they're sitting at a perspective where everything is an attack on them. Well, that is our goal is to unite the world in peace and love and through Killer Tomatoes. So we... That is what we we can continue to attempt. But even the first film, uh, you know, some people are offended by some of the jokes. And particularly, I remember we apparently offended the um, Department of Defense because. Uh, well, you I, don't want to offend that. No, well, I'd written a letter asking, you know, if we could have the cooperation of the military for filming so that we could, you know, military. You know, you pay. That's what people, big movies do. Top Gun and so forth. They get the military is, um, uh, cooperates. And I got this very nice letter back from the Pentagon, which I still have, that says, "No, <laughs> because your film quote demeans the office of the president." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I suppose it does. <laughs> but, but apparently, that was just too offensive for the Department of Defense. So we did not get uh, any cooperation from the Department of Defense. So all the soldiers you see in the Killer Tomato movies are not actually uh, in the military. So the Army's off the hook there. You lose some. <laughs> well, Chad, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, how would you like to leave the audience? Um, probably 
through that door behind me. Um, <laughs> as fast as no, possible. No, I'd, I'd recommend the audience. You know, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, we just we did uh, do a little redo of the Killer Tomatoes website at killertomatoes.com. Uh, we will be expanding and adding the new things that we're doing there. Um, like this podcast uh, uh, will be available there. Sign up for the newsletter because we'll let you know as um, as we know uh, the the new th- the new things that are coming. Like I said, short videos, uh, potentially a new movie. Uh, you can go there to find out where you can buy the book. You, know, you can go there to find out where you could buy some hot sauce. Um, so. I just recommend the readers, look, if, if you appreciate the Killer Tomatoes franchise, you want to see something new from Killer Tomatoes, go to KillerTomatoes.com and stay in the loop and uh, reach out to us. And hopefully you subscribe to the podcast and listen to Costa interview all these much more interesting people than me. Oh, that just can't be possible. Well, thank you, uh, Chad, for being here. And uh, this concludes another edition of the Killer Tomatoes podcast. I'm your host, Custer Dillon, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Be sure to follow and subscribe whenever you listen to your podcasts. To read the blog associated with this episode, visit olismedia.com. This episode was produced in studios located in San Diego, California and Tijuana, Baja, California. Creative director Ulises Bretog. Sound engineer Alan Glazebar. Fina Alvarez is co-producer. Serving as executive producer and co-founder is J.C. Polk. And Chad Pease is president and co-founder. Olus Media is an IVC media company. Olus Media.